Let's pray together, please. God, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that your word is living and active and speaks to us. Lord, would you speak uh, beyond our minds to our hearts? Speak beyond my words to the hearts of each listener that we would uh, hear from you, that we would follow you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Last time I began by uh, a, a, a series where I'm just talking about understanding the times. You know, we've always had a fascination with time. There's there, there are certain times in our lives that just kind of force us to reflect about the time that we're in. For instance, like with when your kids grow up, you're, that first day your child goes to school, you kind of stop and think, wow, time is, is passing by. You know, my, my child's going to school. Or maybe when the child graduates from high school, or you know, recently our youngest son, our youngest child, um, got married, and uh, and it was a wonderful time. But it's also a time that you start to think about how the childhood passed so quickly. You think about all that God has done to bring him to this place and to bring his his bride Madison to this place. And now they're beginning a new season in their lives and our family's beginning a new season. There are just times in your life where we're kind of forced to, if you're contemplative at all, to consider the time that you're in. Otherwise it's just kind of easy to go through life and live day to day without a perspective uh, that, that gives you wisdom on, on how to live. That, you know, that's why um, I think Moses prayed in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to understand the time that will be wise in the way that we invest our time. Pointed out last time that God is the God of time. In the beginning, the Bible begins. You know, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of time. The, men of, the people of Issachar were praised because they understood the times, First Chronicles says, and they knew what they should do because they understood the times because they didn't just live day to day. They just live, live kind of sucked into the moment, living moment by moment. But they understood their times. They had a perspective. So they knew what they should do. Jesus challenged the people in his day in Luke 12, for instance. He said, you can read the weather and so you can predict the future. You kind of know what's going to happen when you see dark clouds. You kind of know what's going to happen when it's rain, sunny in the morning. I mean, I'm sorry, when the sky is red in the morning, why can't you read the times that you're in? Jesus expected them. He expects us to recognize our times. Now, I'm not talking about making kind of um, speculative end times predictions. We're talking about just like we can see general signs in the weather and make general predictions about where we are and what the future is, so we can be prepared for it. So we ought to be able to recognize the cultural signs of our moment so we can live wisely, be salt and light in our generation. How do you measure the season that we're in then? How do, we me how do you measure this time? Last time we pointed out, St. Augustine said, to, 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 to um, paraphrase him a bit, if you really want to measure the strength of a nation or the strength of the culture, don't measure the the how large its borders are. Don't measure the size of its population. Don't measure its you know GDP. Don't measure its uh, the, the strength of its army. If you really want to know the greatness or the weakness of a culture or or, or a nation, you measure it by what it loves supremely.
ask you to chew on that. What is it that we love supremely in the Western world, in the United States? And how does that help us understand the times that we are in? Again, Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. If you want to understand the times, you need to look no further. One of the beginning places, anyway, is the moral character of the people. What does the popular entertainment tell us about this season we are in if righteousness exalts a nation? What does popular culture and its, and its new morality teach us? You know, when I was a kid, um, people didn't live together. And if they did live together, they kept it quiet. They, it, was a, it was something that just should not be. People understood it was an immortal thing. Today, people live together without a sense of, of shyness. Like Jeremiah said in the Old Testament, when their time was so corrupt, he said, the people have forgotten how to blush. What does it say about the season that we're in when people can be so defiant of God's righteousness and they don't even blush? about it. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a disgrace to any people. Do we recognize the signs of the time when we see more and more people who call good evil and evil good? I was talking to a friend yesterday who is a Christian, and, um, and he was talking about a close friend of his who's not a Christian, and in fact, is very tolerant toward everybody except Christians. You know, this person just kind of came out and said, it, she can't stand Christians. She thinks, you know, Christians are the problem of this world. It's very much, if you want to understand the times, that's the first century times. In the first century, the early church was persecuted, not because they were religious. There were lots of religious people, but because they were they believe that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is Savior and Lord of all. And how is it to pay? Isn't it amazing how the people who, would, who, who think that they're tolerant, who claim to be tolerant, are so intolerant toward Christianity? What does it tell us about the signs of our times? Psalm 33, verse 12, blessed is the nations whose God is the Lord. When a civilization loves immorality supremely, we are wise to understand the signs of the times. When a civilization loves God supremely, that's the measure of health. Do you understand what has happened in the United States in the last 50 years? Do you recognize the signs of the time? Godly people um, believe what Jesus said is true in Matthew 7 that there are two kinds of ways to build a life, two kinds of ways to build a nation, two kinds of ways to build a culture. There are some cultures that are built on Jesus Christ, the solid rock of the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God revealed in scripture. All other ground is sinking sand. And the reality, rains fall on all cultures, on all families, on all lives. And those that are built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, on the solid rock of God's truth, stand firm. And those who are built on anything else, like today's secularism, for instance, the storms will come and that's why nations collapse.
Wise people hear the teachings of Jesus and obey. Foolish people hear the teachings of Jesus and don't recognize the vulnerability of their times. There's a way that seems right to a person and in the way, and in the end, it leads to death. You know, the United States grew out of the first great awakening. The greatness, I believe we can unapologetically say, the greatness of the United States for 200 years is because it grew out of a foundation, a cultural foundation that believed the Bible is true. Even people who weren't Christians believed in biblical morality. There was a biblical worldview. Nobody will ever accuse Benjamin Franklin, for instance, of being Billy Graham in his generation. But even Benjamin Franklin said one of his greatest influences in life was a preacher by the name of George Whitfield. One of the great influences in the life of Benjamin Franklin in the way that he thought, in the way that he uh, saw good and evil, was the biblical teaching of the Great Awakening. Separation of powers, for instance, grew out of a biblical assumption of the fallen nature of human beings. The United States was not built on utopianism, where people believed that they could build heaven on earth. It was built just the opposite of believing that we are fallen creatures, and therefore we need checks and balances. As Lord Acton said, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely, and so we need to have those checks and balances. It's why they believe in small government. The more power you give to government, the more, the more power you give to fewer people, the more corruption there's going to be with that power and the more oppression as a result. I'm currently reading a biography of P Patrick Henry. It is so clear in reading this biography, it's not a Christian writer by any means, but not only in that day was the biblical consensus, biblical morality, the consensus, not only did biblical leaders unashamedly call for days of prayer and fasting, but our founders claimed that their decisions were informed by scripture. Let that sink in. The founding of the United States, if you read original documents, if you read what they originally wrote, was based on a biblical worldview. There are some great books about there that'll just kind of go through the stories of how they would reflect and they would say, only God could have done that. Only God could have provided for that. God made the way for these things, gave us these blessings. Imperfectly applied, of course, they didn't apply the Bible perfectly, and they knew it. William Wilberforce, for instance, was a strong Christian. He challenged Thomas Jefferson to join them in Great Britain in abolishing the international slave trade at our founding, but Jefferson wouldn't listen. They just felt like it was a bridge too far. By contrast to the American Revolution of 1776, in 1789, the French Revolution grew out of the Enlightenment. So while you have the American Revolution that grew out of, of, of the Great Awakening, you have the French Revolution that grew out of the Enlightenment. The 18th century Enlightenment um, uh, was committed to hum humanism where the Great Awakening was committed to calling people to repent and follow God, the Enlightenment said, God's the problem, the church is the problem. And quite frankly, the church brought it on itself because the church had been corrupted. It wasn't following 
the Bible, it was, it was being corrupt at that point. 18th century French Enlightenment philosopher Diderot said, men will never be free until the last king is strangled with the entrails of the last priest. The secular French Revolution led to the chaos of the reign of terror. Those in power executed those they disliked in the name of justice, in the name of fraternity, in the name of equality. They killed the people that they did not like, that did not agree with them, that they saw as rich, for instance. But, but the French Revolution and the chaos that ensued <laughs> could not last. And it was, therefore, it was followed by a tyrant named Napoleon. Whenever you build your house on shifting sand, the storms will come and the storms will not, and, and, and the house will not stand. And nature abhors a vacuum, and in the vacuum, whenever there's chaos, people desire um, desire um, um, peace. They desire things to be in control again, and so they will accept a tyrant as a result. Do you recognize the signs of our times? Oz Guinness right now is making the argument that we live in an age where Americans have increasingly rejected the revolution of 1776 that grew out of the biblical great awakening and produced such freedom and blessing. We, are re we have rejected the American revolution and now we're embracing the principles of 1789, the French revolution, the, great, the, 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 the enlightenment thinking that rejected God that, in a way that produced injustice, chaos, and tyranny. Because as the Bible says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. See, another sign of our times is when you start to see Christians begin to embrace and then repeat the lies of the present culture. First Timothy 4, 1 says, now, the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teaching the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose conscience is seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from food that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. 2 Corinthians 4 Three, Paul says a similar thing. The time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, sound teaching, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to miss. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, personal discipline, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We all know preachers and churches and denominations who once taught the truth, believed the church truth, and now have exchanged that truth of God for myths that are popular with the world. One of the most popular myths that people are starting to believe and preach today is that Christianity is bad for the nation. Doing away with the Bible is good. Being secular is good. One of the straw men that liberals will use today is they'll say, the United States was never a Christian nation. Well, you know what? That's true. Unlike nations like France or England, Christianity was never legally established as the religion of the nation. We were never in that way a Christian nation, but no reasonable person is making that 
is making that argument. It's a shell game that liberals play to buffalo people who are either either are easily bamboozled or ignorant of history or intimidated. Nobody is saying that when they made the Constitution, they said, we are a Christian nation. What we're saying is, historically, we grew out of a Christian culture. The United States was founded by people who believed the Bible was true. Founded by people that, who came out of the Great Awakening, even before that, founded by, by people who were influenced by the Magna Carta from England, which again, goes back to biblical roots. They play the shell game and they will say, the United States started as a secular nation, not built on the Bible, not Christian nation. And therefore, France is, the French Revolution is the revolution that we ought to pattern ourselves after. But it's one thing to say the United States grew out of a Christian worldview and influence of the Great Awakening. It is quite different to say we were a Christian nation. Listen to just some quotes. George Washington, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of the Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. John Adams, the general principles on which the fathers achieve independence were the only principles in which that beautiful assembly of young gentlemen could unite. And what were those general principles? I answer the general principles of Christianity. Now, John Adams would be the first to say we weren't a Christian nation. At the same time, he says, but we grew out of, we were unified on the general principles of Christianity. The Democratic president, Woodrow Wilson, said America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from Holy Scripture. That's what he means. He doesn't mean it was established formally. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very simple thing to ask of you. I ask of every man and woman in this audience that from this night on, they will realize that the part of the destiny of America lies in their daily perusal of the great book, the Bible, that they that if they would see America free and pure, they will make their own spirits free and pure by the baptism of Holy Scripture. President Woodrow Wilson made that comment without controversy because people in those days understood what he said to be true and not controversial at all. Winston Churchill, nobody would call him a Christian necessarily. He called himself an optimistic agnostic, but he regularly spoke of preserving the Christian civilization of the West. President Truman, this is a Christian nation, meant it the same way that Woodrow Wilson did. Those people talked, again, with no apology, with no sense of self-consciousness, no pushback, no objections. But today, if you talk like that, you may be accused of being a Christian nationalist, as though you have some political agenda to make us a Christian nation but it's a canard, it's a shell game, it's an intimidation ploy. Why do people do this? Because our generation has exchanged the values, as Osginus says, of the American Revolution for the values of the French Revolution, and therefore they wanna rewrite history to say, well, we're a secular, we were started like the, like the French, not like 
not out of the Great Awakening. And just as the French Revolution led to chaos, turmoil, and injustice, so will this agenda. President Obama was right when he said, whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. Do you recognize the signs of the times? Now, what are we to do? We're going to pause there and pick it up next time. I would encourage you, if you want to do some more study on this, there are several books for you to read. Um, Oz Guinness has written extensively on this recently. The, the Last Call for Liberty is a great Oz Guinness book. Um, a Free People's Suicide, uh, where he talks about the um, you know a nation committing suicide. Um, his most recent book, A Magna Carta for Humanity, which is excellent book and many of the thoughts that I'm sharing are inspired by that. Um, if you want to consider the lies that people are believing today, again, Rosaria Butterfield has a book called The Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, which is worth reading. And then um, Eric Metaxas, if you want to read a shorter book and kind of easier reading, um, A Letter to the American Church where he essentially deals with some of the stuff that Oz Guinness uh, deals with, but um, um, pared down a bit. Do you recognize the signs of the time? Next time we'll talk about where we go from here. Heavenly Father, help us to be a people who recognize our, our time, the time that you have placed us in. We believe it's not an accident that we are in this day. Help us, Lord, not to have blind eyes. Help us not to minimize. Help us to be able to see so that we can have courage and wisdom, so that we can be people who are hope, who are light in a dark age. For your glory, through Christ I pray these things. Amen. Hope you join us next time.